the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 119, recorded Friday, November 29th, 2013. Supernatural Audio. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week. That gentleman right there is Bradford Ben, and I've already lost control apparently. How are you guys? Uh, Bradford Ben, Bradford is the Vertical Market Manager, uh, themed attractions for Harmon International. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you this day after American Thanksgiving? Yes, day after American Thanksgiving. The reason we say that is because we have two fine, uh, fine. Uh, well, we had one fine Canadian, and then we have Matt Scott. Uh, the, the fine Canadian is Brock McGinnis, the sales manager for Westbury. How are you, sir? Perfect, Tim. Pleasure to be aboard today. Uh, and the other Canadian we have is Matt Scott, who's nowhere near Canada. Uh, he's in South somewhere in Florida. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, and last but not least, we have Chris Tatton. Uh, Chris is the senior systems programmer at HB Communications. How are you, brother? Doing well. Good. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, the very uh, the day after Thanksgiving, as most uh, at least as most mainstream media call it. We call it Black Friday, and they call it Black Friday because of all the crazy sales and deals and things like that, and what that does to us here in uh, in the world of AV. If anything, we're also going to talk about wireless spectrum. Um, I know crazy, crazy. Uh, uh, t- uh, topic there, but um, the wireless spectrum is under attack again. They're getting ready to sell off the 600 megahertz. Apparently, it's time for Sports Center also. Uh, it's always time. I, for it's always Center. time for Sports Center somewhere. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we also, I do have to say, Chris yes. does look very nicely attired. He, he does. He he does. Um, in case it's a professional show here. It is. Exactly. It is. Um, we take ourselves very very seriously. Before before the show even started. Uh, we were all talking about how we were dressed, and poor Chris was not. Um, uh, he was. He had a T-shirt on, <laughs> and it wasn't a bad T-shirt. But he decided to go change and put on a nice button-up. So well, cool. if you notice, you know, Brock and I are rocking the full formal for you. We treat your listeners well, whereas Matt's, you know, hiding out on the. He doesn't even have a I think Matt just actually gestured for another on the intercostal. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm, yeah I, I actually am. My water's getting low. I just watched the boats go by on the intercoastal. It's, you know, I'm really not here. Just yeah, for those, of you, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, Matt's in God's waiting room in Boca Raton, Florida. Yes, he is. And he's enjoying harassing those of us who are in snow. Ha-ha. Or yeah, those, of us, or those of us who are just cold. So, all right, well, guys, yeah, here, here's it's, the, the it's first question. It's really rough when it's 80 degrees. It, here's the first question Like, for I had you. to choose between shorts yes. and shoes or shorts and sandals. And I which did you both. choose? No, I went with both. I wore the shoes for a little bit, then swapped to the sandals. So let me get this straight. Did you take your socks off at No, least? he did oh, not. always. I wasn't even wearing socks. You don't wear, you do not wear socks with driving shoes unless it's cold. And it's not cold because it's 80 degrees. Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius for that those of us in Canada? Celsius, I'm told it's somewhere around 26? I don't know. 
You call yourself a Canadian. No, no, this, this is where He's we no, go back no, no, to. No, this, is, this, is, this is where we go back and we say that 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 Matt is the world's worst Canadian. Yes. yes. He, he likes football instead of hockey <laughs> and has no idea what the metric system is. So, um, all right, guys. So, are it's we Black, doing a show? Yes, we are. It's Black Friday. <laughs> uh, honestly, by every account, either it's you know NBC or CBS or. Google News, the New York Times, uh, Black Friday was not what Black Friday was last year, and, and the year before that, it's it's down some, which is kind of crazy considering we actually have six less days between uh, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, uh, six less shopping but, days. Uh, but they also started Black Friday on Thursday, so has that become Gray Thursday? Well, actually, they, they started it a week around? ago because some retailers were actually letting you buy stuff online. Uh, Walmart was doing some deals, and, and Best Buy were as well, where you could buy early, like last weekend uh it, you could or you could take it in take some of uh competing um sale bills in and say hey you know target has you know this widget for for x amount of dollars will you match it so uh first question for you though in the world of either pro or resi a, uh, av what does black friday mean for us i mean does it mean anything at all or is it um just you know a way for our customers to, to get hundred dollar tvs and and we're stuck installing them uh, Mr. Brock, we'll start with you on this one. Even though you are out of the out of the uh, the continuous uh, fifty states, um, you do feel this somewhat at some point. Canada has adopted Black Friday as well, yeah. uh, if for no other reason than to um, keep our shoppers from going across the border to Buffalo and Niagara Falls, New York, uh, to do their consumer shopping. So our our malls opened at six o'clock this morning. Uh, apparently, they were doing. Uh, some business, but there were no lineups, uh, mob scenes. Um, in the commercial AV world, Black Friday has no impact on us whatsoever. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed, you know, some of the Twitter feeds that were coming out last night. People that started shopping at midnight, um, three hundred and ninety-nine dollar fifty-inch HD TVs, uh, two hundred and seventy-five dollar touchscreen laptops. Um, if people want to buy that product, God bless them. Let them buy that product. <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm sure they'll feel really good about it as they leave the store and not so much a week from now when their friends walk in and look at a crap TV and go, so was that free or why else do you have it up in your living room? Wow. And I won't remember or, or won't a mention. Box of cereals. I won't mention <laughs> names like, uh, say, Seiki and Hisense and all those other high-quality uh, TVs. TVs that they're buying for $399. Yeah, the best one I, I've seen so far was an Element 50-inch for $229. My goodness. Hey, it's 50-inch, and it's by Element, the leaders in cheap knockoff technology. Are, are they the leaders in cheap knockoff? I thought Insignia <laughs> was. So, all right. <laughs> all right, Bradford, in the world of either Pro or Resi, what, is this, what does Black Friday mean uh, mean for us? Let's see, for Pro, I think it actually starts a little bit of a downturn because everyone's thinking about the holidays, but that's also then like a week later, everyone comes back and goes, oh, I have to finish all these projects before the end of the calendar year, the end of the fiscal year, so everyone ramps up like crazy. So it's a certain amount of uh, last-minute panic. Uh, I also think it does hurt the Pro market a little bit in that people see the, why am I going to pay, you know, $1,000 for a display when I can go down to Best Buy and get a uh, high-quality 
you know, 50-inch display for $300. So I think it does have an impact in diluting the market value and setting lower expectations, but I don't think it's uh, it's actually a direct impact to the other than having to do the typical sale, you have to do a why you want to buy a commercial-grade product instead of a consumer-grade product. Sorry, Brad, did you say diluting or diluting? <laughs> diluting. I'm dying uh, here. I'm dying. I, I, I think uh, what Best Buy is doing is diluting our customers uh, into thinking that they can get a quality product for that kind of price. I agree. You know, well, most people when they go in there, you know, they go in there looking for these products that are, that are basically they're stripped down versions of products that are out there, even if they are name brand, that have only actually existed as model numbers for weeks, just so they could have them in the stores, and then they could, you know, at, at a reasonable price or not a reasonable price, but a, a higher price, and then claim that they marked it down. Yeah, it's the markup to mark down syndrome that you see in jewelry all the time. You know, exactly. it's the 25% off sale that was marked up 100%. You know, okay, as somebody so, that works exclusively in pro AV, I, I would say that Black Friday for us means absolutely nothing. So the four of you are in America right now. Uh, did any of you buy anything uh, within the last 24 hours for Black Friday? Personally, or, or did, did, did my bank account go down any? Uh, yes. <laughs> me, meaning my wife... Uh, my Correct. wife has had this this uh, yeah she she does every year and I go to bed at ten o'clock at night and wake up in the morning and she's pulling in with a carload full of stuff so my uh, gosh yeah it's like Christmas it's a Christmas miracle it's Chris yeah it's a it's a miracle all right Matt you yeah. said you did you've bought something in the last twenty four I did I was out shopping this morning I I don't go out for the twelve o'clock because there's just I hate lines, and I don't care. And the stores that I normally shop in don't really do that big of a discount. Anyways, um, but no, I went out this morning with my wife and my in-laws and had a grand old time. Um, but yeah, we did We did okay. We got some stuff. Kids. Yeah, but that's because you're in Boca Raton and no one moves faster than half a, half a foot you, an hour. So. You would be shocked. I was amazed. Yes, there was the slow-moving parade of people. Oh, they got the rascals souped up for us. Oh, they did. They did, but there, there, there was a wide. Do they variety. beat you with the cane? Once I did get a, I got a, I got a very what bad. Called the whippersnapper. Yeah, yeah whippersnapper. Were you told yeah. to get off the lawn? I was, I was. No, I did get a, a wonderful, disapproving look from a, uh, a slightly older woman as I walked into Kohan today. That was, that was a blast. But yeah, what do you do? Yeah, but then again, it's because you're shopping during Hanukkah. That that was probably the problem. I said yes. Lachaim as I left. What do you want? That was very, <laughs> that was very nice of you. All right. Uh, Thanks. Moving on. Good Lord. All right. Uh, we have the world's very first three-chip DLP. Woohoo! From Digital Projection, uh, from the fine folks that uh, you know gave us the the one chip and the two chip. Um, uh, Matt, we'll start with you on this. How big of a deal is? It's, stop, 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 yes, Tim. Yes. It's not the world's first three-chip DLP. It says it is. It's the, it wor it the is. world's first three-chip DLP that is illuminated solely by an LED light source. No, but it says world's first three-chip LED, three LCD thingy, three LED. With LED. Illumination. Whatever. Illumination is the keyword. Yes. It's all about Fine. marketing. Marketing is I was, very, very great. Well, that's what, and that's why I was, that's where I was getting to. But thank you, Brock. 
Oh, goodness. Never mind. You know mind. how I feel about 3D, so why are you even bringing this up? It's oh, not 3D. Chip. It's 3... Never mind. Forget it's the it. First, it's the <laughs> first 3-chip DLP that has an LED light source in it. Yes. It's not, it's not a hybrid LED laser. It's an LED all by itself, and it is offering a stunning 2,000 lumens. Um, so as long as the, according to the spec sheet, so as long as the lights are off, everybody's going to be very happy that this projector lasts 25,000 or 50,000 hours without having its light source changed. And the shades are down. <laughs> the lights are off and the shades are down. And the are shades down. are down. Yes. It's and all the time in the, and all in the, the kids in the classroom have their phones off. <laughs> yeah. And no laptops. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, no laptops. And no laptops. It'll be a wonderful product, though. With with the shades down, the lights off, phones, laptops away, and uh, actually sunglasses on. So it's a fantastic idea. All of our education customers want solid state uh, lamps in their projectors. They want projectors that they do not have to service for 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 hours. Um, right now, the, the particular product that we're delivering to our customers is 3,500 lumens because uh, that is the brightest product that uh, we can get in a uh, well-made name brand uh, projector. And it's not nearly bright enough for most classrooms. So now instead of having to change the lamps um, uh, you know, twice a year or whatever an, an educational institution normally does, uh, they, the students have to squint in order to see the uh, content. Yes, but in um, Canada, that makes perfect sense because the optometrist is not covered under OHIP. There you oh, go. Good so we're actually, we're, we're helping... Don't go that. there. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's, it's just I mean, going to be so classrooms really where this, where this is targeted at? I mean, look, it looks like this is targeted at, you know, more of a simulation type of, you know, event. Although, you know, all the, you know, the educational markets want that, you know, no maintenance. That's not where this, you know really is being targeted at. Well, I, I think, I ahead, think Brad, as Brock pointed out, it's kind of, it's a cool technology, but it's not quite there yet. It's not powerful enough, even for simulation. You know, Chris, you, get, Chris you probably do uh, control rooms and no. are, are used to, uh, accustomed to using rear projection uh, devices, um, no, we, we solid state have. rear projection devices that are, you know, are certainly no brighter than this. Uh, some of them are uh, 800, 1,000, 1,200 lumens, um, and and that would be fantastic if you can get 25,000 hours or 40,000 hours out of a uh, a product like that. Do you think perhaps this is where digital projection is going? It's possible. I mean, it sounds like it. You know, according to the article, that you know they really want to get into that simulation type market with this. You know, one of the one of the key things as far as those type those types of control room knocks. Um, those environments is maintenance because right. you know you have certain scenarios you know power companies etc where that place is running 24 7 365 and trying to find time when you can get in there to do pretty much any sort of maintenance at all change a lamp and take down a you know projector for you know even as much as you know an hour to do some routine servicing is, is very very difficult you know you end up working you know, really strange hours in order to try and accommodate the customer that can have, you know, almost no downtime. Okay, but to that point, though, what happens at that thirty-hour mark, that thirty-thousand-hour mark, when you do have to not only change out the lamp, the, the 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 light source, you have to change out the entire projector. I mean, is it 
Is it the same you issue? You go to Best Buy on Black Friday. <laughs> and you buy a $600. DLP. No. Yep. <laughs> Three you know, LCD. It's, it's going to be the same thing, Tim, when you uh, when you have to change the batteries out on your Tesla. Ooh, really, oh, really, nice. You really just have to enjoy the economy today and not worry about the fact that it's going to cost you the price of 10 or 20 lamps um, down the road. It's a labor saving. It's not a material uh, uh, equipment uh, and material saving over time. Um, that light engine is going to be far more expensive than what we pay today for a lamp. Um, but uh, the cost in many facilities, particularly if there's union labor involved, um, if there are restrictions that no longer, uh, health and safety restrictions that no longer prevent people from changing lamps on a ladder. So you have to bring in a lift uh, and that the, all of a sudden that's a two-person job. Uh, labor is, is in the end far more expensive than the cost of the, the uh, uh, hardware itself. You know, and, so. and 30,000 hours is three and a half years. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a long time of not having to, you know, schedule maintenance, you know, on a, on a standard lamp that, you know, may need to be replaced every, you know, 5,000 hours. Again, you know, the labor savings is there. And, you know, nobody says this thing is going to blow up in 30,000 hours. You know, 30,000 hours may just be the rating for, you know, half brightness. Yeah, and that's also 30,000 hours is... is is 24/7. I mean that if you Yeah, that's 24/7, yeah. you know, three and a half years. Yeah. So And to some degree in three and a half years, it's I see that almost as I hate to say disposable, but there'll be newer better technology and people are going to want to upgrade. Um, the problem here it goes back to the fact that it is only a 2000-hour product and or to, sorry lumen. a 2000 lumen product and 2000 lumens just does not cut it in the educational environment it doesn't cut it in the corporate environment that's a uh, fairly substantial looking projector so i have to think it also has a fairly substantial price tag 3dlp will will be delivering outstanding picture quality but my gosh in this day and age nobody wants the lights off nobody wants the blinds down no Unless you know. Well, I want the I blinds down. Well, I, I wonder. Want the blinds wonder, down because you're the blind guy. I was. I was going to ask Matt. I mean, how do you think this would relate to like the home theater market with people with a lot of money to spend? I mean, it won't. There, you don't there think are much, so? No, there are much better products out there that fit that same bill with much better specs for the you know the the residential theater market. Um, it, at the same time, I don't see this fitting very well in the house of worship market either. Um, no. Just, just well, for exactly those exact same required. things that we just went through. Well, um, they don't get the use out of it. No, they won't get the use out of no, it. No, and the they're not running 15 hours a day, seven days no. a week, six days and a week. Exactly, and the brightness just kills it. I, I really do not understand. I, I don't. I don't understand how a Titan badged product can come out with 2,000 lumens in 2013. That's just to me. That just seems ridiculous. The only thing I was thinking is as far as, you know, home theater market where the lights are typically down to a low level, you know, and, you mm -hmm. know, you do have, you know, very low cost of of maintenance. You don't have to change lamps that often, you know. I mean, if you're not, if you're just using it as a theater projector, you might never have to change that lamp until you want to upgrade. That is true. Right. But, even, but even then, we're not... We're and what about, you know, possibly the acoustical issues that you don't necessarily, you know, hopefully this is a, you know, cooler and somewhat quieter projector than a standard lamp. You know, you don't have to, you know, enclose it in a box necessarily to deal with, you know, yep. acoustical issues. Yeah. Well, and again, that, that does make you wonder why it's being kind of touted and released at the location in the event in which it's been released at. 
right? I think Chris, it, it, Chris it, has it right. It's a simulation thing. If you look at where yep. it's being released, it's a government and it's a knock show. It's a, it's not a everyday. It's not Infocom. It's not uh, WFX. It's it's not an educational show. It's a no. it's a corporate uh, you know government style show. Speaking of speaking of shows, um, Bradford, I think last week or week before last, um, we've been doing AV Week live on YouTube, and uh, if you listen to the podcast on on iTunes, uh, you you might have heard us mention it. Uh, and we try to do it live and somewhat entertaining um, on a Friday afternoon. And he tweets something about instead of watching AV Week live, I'm going to do something else. And then he starts tweeting. This wonderful diatribe about how horrible this experience was. Uh, the video is out of focus. Uh, this, that, and the other. And at first, when I when I saw him tweeting, he said, "You know, the video is out of focus, and this and that and the other." I'm like, "Is he still talking about us? I mean, what what the heck went on there, Mister Mister Ben?" Okay, so you sure you want to pull this grenade? Oh, this what the heck! It's Twenty minutes in, <laughs> nobody's watching. <laughs> it's our show. Come it's, on, yeah. we can talk about whatever. Everybody's <laughs> watching. It's a vacation day. Oh, that's true. This, this is this is where Felicia Day comes in, which is not a bad so, thing. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. Now that we've educated Brock during the pre-show as to who Felicia Day is, so my wife won tickets to Creation Entertainment's uh, Supernatural convention in Burbank, California. Uh, Supernatural is a television show on the CW here in the States. It's entering season number nine. It has apparently very attractive men on it that a lot of women fangirl about. As I learned very quickly being in a room with literally a thousand plus women screaming at the top of their lungs, I thought the Beatles came in. Was that because Uh, you were dressed up as one of them? No, 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 no. I can't dress up as one of them. I just wanted to know how into the fandom you, you are. I was there to meet Felicia Day. I, I, I'll be the first to admit that. In, in costume or, or not? No, no. I dressed up. Okay. I dressed nice. Had to tie on and everything. You know, look professional. Look sharp. No costume. <laughs> no cosplay. <laughs> you know, if you want me to cosplay, I'll get out my little Star Wars figures for you. And nice. Very nice. Or you know, my little. Uh, my five-year-old son has that one. What are you saying? Want to go get my Death Star out? No, good. Let me get out my R2-D2 for you. See, you've already pulled the grenade and lost all... Oh, my. That is impressive. (laughs) That is an impressive R2-D2. I will. Made out of Particularly compelling to those listening by podcast. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put pictures up. Hey, I'm, I'm nothing if not professional. You can tell by the outfit. Yes. So this this show is put on by a company. They rent the ballrooms and they put on the show. And I walk in going, okay, you know, it's a convention. And unfortunately, this convention was a caricature exactly of what we think band conventions are. It was a Xerox 11 by 17 program schedule. The video was literally out of focus and under uh, under bright for the room. Uh, Were they using the new Titan? No, 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 no. This, okay. this, this, this seemed more like it was from like 1998, 99. Uh, uh, it was just, it was weird. The system was four powered speakers of 1,000 watts to cover, say, 1,500 to 1,700 people. So needless to say, the powered system was a little underpowered. The wireless dropouts started immediately. At one point, the the entire left side of the PA was replaced by ground hum. I thought that was nice. Jeez. 
I'm not making any of this up. Literally, my wife is looking at me, waiting for me to claw my ears off. And every <laughs> listener got... should read your blog about this. They should read both your your uh, Twitter summary and your blog, Brad, because this was um, – I, I was thoroughly enjoying it all weekend. You were in, <laughs> you were in technological pain, it and I thought you were difficult. being such a great husband even to stay in the room. It was it was funny because no one there knew what I did, and I'm standing in line waiting to get my picture taken with people and get my autographs and stuff like that, being the good husband that I am. And people behind me are complaining about audio. People in front of me are complaining about audio. You know, there was all sorts of of problems and glitches. I think the fact that you know on the second day the wireless mic dropped out and had to be replaced ten minutes into the first presentation just kind of that that was a nice touch. The waterfall, the ground loop waterfall on the video was just perfect you know it was it sounds funny it was a caricature and the thing that annoyed me the most was it was good quality products being used wrong I'm not even gonna mention the brands it was brands across the spectrum I'm not saying they picked bad brands they picked good equipment and used it wrong but it, that's exactly the problem is it was just it was poorly done and for you know, it sounds funny that my understanding is this is a step and repeat convention. You know, do it once and just lay it out multiple times. Yeah. It really seemed like it was just, you know, we're going to throw up the minimum viable. Everyone's going to be screaming and yelling. So who cares? And it's more of the, okay, you're going to do karaoke and you're going to do a voice system with no subwoofers. You're going to have a live band and the stage volume is going to be everything except for the voices. It was like a rehearsal studio. You know, it was... So, Brad, you've you've obviously thought about this a great deal. Do you think the problem was budget, or do you think the problem was um, a hotel AV contract with a very fixed inventory and a very low-level, inexperienced, poorly paid technician who had no idea how to deal with an event of this size with the limited inventory um, that she or he was allowed uh, to hold in that hotel? Because uh, to I me, think... it's one of those two things. It's either the budget or the limitation of the storage room at the hotel and and somebody not having uh, um, the hotel arranging the AV rather than actually having a uh, production manager on the gig. My personal feeling, and this is just mm -hmm. guess. I have not had a chance to research it yet. Just, you know, this is, you know, four days after my ears stopped ringing. Uh is that this was owned by the event company that this system was owned by the event company and it was purchased by budget it wasn't purchased by performance and it probably works for a lot smaller rooms it doesn't work for this size room and if they're getting people through the door and the events are selling out why spend more money I don't think it was the being I never saw any of the house AV people and the fact that the lighting stanchions that they had had the had creation entertainments names on them you know, I think it was owned by them. I don't think it was the the uh, the house system. I think it was lack of. I think it was a decision made that we don't need to spend the money on it because it's not going to bring more people to the event. And, well, so, and what I love is the fact that that <laughs> that both of you have been have enough experience that where Brock is like, okay, it's one of these two things. It's like yeah. this or this. It's like yeah, yeah, that could be it. Well, it, you know, I, I have to share a similar experience. I was at the Commercial Integrator Summit, uh, Commercial Integrator Magazine Summit, uh, a couple of weeks ago in San Diego, and I was a presenter at that summit. So, uh, you know, here is a, a room of 50 or 60 
um, fairly high-level uh, AV integration people from across the continent. And there were um, four, three projection screens, and there were yep. two, two speakers on sticks. Yep. And the, um, the confidence monitor uh, was uh, downstage left as opposed to in front of the podium. So if the presenters needed to see the confidence monitor, and, and some presenters do have a bad habit of um, creating a PowerPoint and saying everything on their PowerPoint slide that they're going to say, so they're reading from it, and they're actually having to look down way off stage rather than at the audience. There was no fold back at all for the presenters. Mm. So, um, and we were doing panel discussions. I'm speaking, I cannot hear the person four chairs away from me on the panel discussion. Um, and, uh, and this was a professional event and, and uh, there was no digital uh, input. It was VGA only, um, four, three uh, rear projection, uh, quite poor quality. I have no idea what kind of equipment. And the the discussion, the the conclusion that uh, those of us that cared, which was about all 50 or 60 people in the room uh, laughing at it, that uh, that this was a case of the hotel where the conference was held uh, only had a specific inventory. They bought the AV capabilities when they, you know, bought the banquet room and they um, and bought the meals, and uh, the event organizers or the poor techs at the back uh, had uh, had no ability to uh, uh, to make it any better uh, or make it change. Wow, and that, that and sounds they had, very similar. That's something you see all too often. Um, this November, I was at the Ritz Carlton in Westchester, and same issue. They had a in-house AV firm that was running the event had no idea what they were doing, had nothing on stage, uh, no fullback, no confidence monitors, nothing. And, you know, had completely improper equipment spread throughout. And I talked to the, uh, the gentleman running the event and said, you know, I know you have, you know, audio guys, because this was for a house of worship event. It's like, I know you guys have, you know, technical directors on staff, audio guys on staff. And you could not, were you not allowed to bring stuff in? And it was a situation where they were not allowed to bring anything in. So they were stuck using what was supplied by the company. And, same, you know, exact same issue. Nothing worked because nothing was specified properly for A, the event they were doing, and B, the room they were in. And that's just something that unfortunately happens all too often in that aspect of the, the industry. Yeah. It's, I think part of it is, is that we as an industry – and I take us for a, take include us is that we haven't educated people that it can be better. You know, this is acceptable. This is they're still selling out. This is you know why do they need to spend the money to make it a better experience? Instead well, even of, even worse, uh, Brad, our clients are going to events like this all the time, and in seeing and hearing this, it becomes an acceptable level of performance. Yeah. And so when we we try and communicate that they need something better, um, they go, well, why do we need that? I was just at a big event at the convention center and, and, uh, and it was just fine. Yeah, and that's when you really, I think, have to go and ask them, and you know, really, was it fine? Could you hear all the panel discussions? Could you see the video clearly? You know, and, and kind of elicit those responses out of them where they can go, well, no, I guess now that I, now that you break it down like that, I couldn't hear them. 
and I couldn't see what was on the projector and, and, and kind of get them to that level where they realize, no, that's not fine. Yeah. You know, it, you... it sounds you. It, it sounds funny, but when the talent has to walk off stage and hand their microphone to a guest so that they can hear the question, you know there's a problem. And that's how bad it was getting. You know, for those of you who haven't read the blog post yet, it's at bradfordben.com, but I talk about how the talent is so used to this problem, they know how to ring out their microphones by moving the microphones in a synchronized pattern. It's kind of embarrassing. It was... It was to that point where I'm like, if I was the AV guy, and I hope it's no one I know, and I'm not trying to insult anyone, it's I would think about a job in light. No, on second thought, <laughs> given the lighting in the room, you know, it's. Uh, but it was one of those things where it was impacting the guest experience. And and to your point, Chris, of no one sat down and said, you know, this is kind of bad. This is kind of embarrassing when someone literally says on stage, I think I'm going deaf because I can't hear any of you. I mean, and I was just going to bring that up. You know, it's unfortunate that the people, you know, if this is a, a problem that's been recurring, you know, for this type of show, it's unfortunate that those people don't take enough pride in their work to be embarrassed by, you know, these types of things and, and to have the desire to want to do better or at least fix it as, as best they can. And well, I, maybe, I think... it, maybe it even, it is, it's, it's a business decision where they go, like Bradford said, people are still coming. And so when you have X amount of dollars to spend on infrastructure, you know, do you spend it on a, a mic or do you spend it on, you know, yeah. but are they going to come back again? Well, again, that's a good point. That's a good point. Are, are, are those, are those same people going to come back again? Um, if it was, if it was a lousy experience overall, yes, though, and, and um, I think that's the, I think they are going to come back again because people are coming for other reasons. So it's almost like the AV is an afterthought. It, it is because outside of you know guys like us on this panel, uh, even in the event I was in in New York, I asked around to a couple of the people I were with who they're not AV people at all. Some of them are very technical people. Some of them are high-level Fortune 500 company uh, you know managers and whatnot, and they were you know their responses were you know there was a couple of moments where it was uh, something happened. I don't know what it was, but it, it was just you know it was fine. I, I don't yeah it was it was okay. And uh, we we had fangirls screaming in terror. <laughs> well, I know yours. Yours was. I read the post. Yours was really bad. But my favorite. My favorite part of the post was when the presenter with the audio source had to put a microphone up to a laptop or a uh, boombox or something. Can, can you play you my know, iPhone? The audience to hear. Yeah, I got a picture of that. So. And we yeah. and we have this occur in corporate facilities every day. Companies do town halls and they hold a microphone up to a polycom conference phone so that the people in the oh, in the room can hear the person at the other end of the conference home uh, phone. Um, we've walked into facilities where they actually have a microphone duct taped right oh, to the uh, right to the conference phone so that it's as close as possible and they can of course get as much gain before feedback of as, course uh, as they can um, yeah. and uh, and and this is uh, this is the world that we live in uh, it's never going to be perfect and of course budget ends up being the big thing if they don't have to spend the extra four thousand bucks on real good production um, uh, they will not spend it. So I think uh, I think Brad, your next job is to start uh, an online campaign uh, against the production company. Call them out, shine a light on their uh, uh, on uh, their failings, and encourage them to do better next time. 
And the thing that, that I do want to point out in all of this, and this sounds funny because I was talking to some of the people, the volunteers there, the people who barter their services, <laughs> were all very nice. So, like, the it's the actual company, not the people who are, you know, I'll be an usher in exchange for getting tickets. Those yeah. people worked hard, did a good job. It's, now, are you stopping short of calling them exploiters? Yes. I am stopping short because it's a true barter. It's, they get, instead of having to pay literally, and everyone hold on to your jaws, $650 for gold level seats. Holy cow! $150 for a photo op and $25 for an autograph. They trade their time out to be able to have those. So when you start looking at this going, $650 for gold level seats and it's sold out? Yeah, they have money to be able to afford this. Yes, I realize some of it goes to the talent, some of it pays the expenses, pay for the ballroom, etc. But to Brock's point, four thousand dollars in rental. I'm looking at this going, I could do this with, you know, it wouldn't be an expensive rental. I could hire many places to do so it. You're talking about a, an event that has gross proceeds of of half a million bucks, possibly. But not every seat's wow. six hundred and fifty bucks. I'd right. say it's probably closer to a quarter million bucks. You know, if we weren't if we weren't being recorded, I would ask whether the talent was clothed. Oh, uh, yes, yes, they were. For six hundred and fifty dollars, I, I mean, really? <laughs> yes, that's a different experience altogether. Yeah, it is, I All suppose, right, yeah. uh, you're listening to AV Week. Uh, that gentleman that had a horrible experience at uh, at Supernatural Fest is Bradford Ben. He's with Harmon International. Um, he, he technically his 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 title this week is vertical market manager. Uh, Brock McGinnis, sales manager with Westbury. Uh, uh, Chris Tatton, senior systems programmer with HB Communications. And Matt Scott, the owner and operator of Omega Audio Video. Uh, let's get us, you know, you, know, you already took the, 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 the card down there. What? Uh, I can put it back up. Go ahead and put it back up. Go ahead and put it back up. There's, this is Bradford's official, uh, Harmon. Uh, apparently he lives in Elkhart, Indiana. So Yes. Uh, that's where the office is. I actually live in the closest Hilton. In the <laughs> that's, he, he, he ain't kidding, folks. I, I sent, I sent wood paneling. Yeah, I sent Bradford a, an email. Good lord, a month ago, and said, "Hey, I'm I'm scheduling out the rest of the year because I know what depending on his travel schedule, and he's been in India and this, that, and the other." And he sends me one back, and I think this is the first time you were ever uh, coming back from Brazil since I've known you. Yes. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm headed back from Brazil." <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, geez, that's rough. Um, yes, yeah, so if I come back from Brazil and then I turn right around and go on vacation, my body has no idea what time it is. It's it's amazing. I've been in the office this month a total of a day and a half. Wow. The entire month. That's why I haven't heard any complaints about IT this month. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why. Actually, actually, the whole reason you haven't heard any complaints about IT, and this, this is one of those, you know, of course I'm going to get in trouble, so I have to tell the story. My boss figured out how to make it so that I wouldn't have any more complaints about IT. He got me a Mac that's not uh. supported by IT. So I'm off in my own little little world all on my own, and it's been running much better since then. I have to say that I'm <laughs> in the exact same situation that you are. Mm, me three. Yep. They've just given up. And, and what's funny is the IT people in my office, you know, my local IT lead, he's like, here's your Mac. Gave it to me brand new, sealed in the box. And said, let me know what questions you have. And that was it. So no IT complaints there. There, I can go on about how, like, my phone didn't work in Brazil for a day and a half. But what good is that going to do? 
You I can talk about bone. Okay, so hang on for a second though. Bradford, I get. Brock, I totally get. Chris, you're a programmer. <laughs> Yes, I am. Okay. He's a smart yeah. programmer. No, no, no. Hang on. There is not. Out. There is not a. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. And, and correct me on this, please. Correct me on this, uh, because I do programming for the school. I, I work for a community college in, in outside of St. Louis, and I'm getting ready to get another computer. Mine, the one that I do my programming on, is is getting you know long in the tooth. I have yet to find a um, native uh, programming. Um, program, whether it's for AMX or Crestron or Extron or anybody else or Biamp. So, so don't tell me you use an emulator because then I'm just going to be silly. Are you using Parallels, words, Chris? Two words. Bootcamp. Bootcamp. Boot okay. Camp and VMware. Boot camp. Not Parallels, yeah. not VMware. I'm not willing. Yeah. I'm not. I didn't, I didn't want a Mac because I wanted to run OSX and then run Windows in a VM and yeah. pay that virtualization penalty. I wanted a Mac because it was the better hardware. Okay. Yes, it is scalded dog fast when you run Windows under Boot Camp. Absolutely. I run, I run VMware because we have products that use Windows Server 2008 that, you know, I have to be able to support, and virtualization If you have a, you know, a reason to run, you know, VMware, then absolutely. You know, and there's nobody saying that you actually can't run VMware under Boot Camp. Right. You know? You, you 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 know you can still run VMware under Windows in Boot Camp. There's nothing preventing you from doing that because all Boot Camp does is provide the correct BIOS emulation to Windows so that it can boot up. Right. And the the thing that I uh, that cracked me up is my my MacBook Pro boot it into OS X, start up VMware, get into Windows, get on the network is still faster than a hardware based similar processor, etc. Yeah. Windows machine that you press start on and wait for it to boot up and all that and I'm like, yes, yeah, some of it's the solid state hard drive, some of it's you know Mac multi threads better, etc. But it it was a pretty penny, but you know to be able to run four machines at the same time virtually, which is what oh, I it's, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. So I I think Tim that's four for four. I think that well. I picked the wrong panel to ask that question. We're all Mac users. <laughs> yeah, I picked that, and I've I've got a Mac that I run uh, my my Pro Tools on, um, but that's you know how to use Pro Tools because, well, and this and the, and that <laughs> yes and that I got this. I, I, every time I see a Pro Tools rig that's on a Windows PC, I ask I look why, at them and I go, really? Yeah, Are you just, and then, I know then you I, have. That's only because I you know I'm a nerd. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I've I've seen other programmers that are like, really, you're using Boot Camp on a Mac, and I, 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 you know, I flat out said to them, I'm like, tell you what, let's shut down and we'll race to Simple Windows Boot Screen. Yeah, we'll see who wins. Well, and then once you get to Simple Windows Boot Screen, we'll. <laughs> I'll go get a coffee, yeah. and then when you're done, yeah. I'll be you back. Come what would, yeah, you come find me. What would you like? I'll, I'll go yeah. make. The I've already coffee. loaded this room and moved on. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, oh, simple, the, simple the Windows. That, for those of you who don't know, Simple Windows is the is the Crestron programming language program. Uh, you could start it, and in about three days, you might be doing you might be doing work in it. So, it's not the fastest loading program in the world. Once you get in it, it's great. But once it, you be loading it, is is somewhat scary. See now, if you virtualize yes. that, you can just pause it and leave it running. Well, I might. Yeah, well, that's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I might, I might do that. All right, uh, from our fine folks at Sennheiser, my buddy Michael's not here today, but um, uh, they are 
they're getting in the same uh, not game, but but they're lobbying Congress, lobbying the FCC, talking about uh, frequency and the frequency. Apparently, that uh, they're getting the FCC is getting ready to sell off another block of frequencies that's going to impact the 600 megahertz uh, spectrum. That's right. I said 600 megahertz spectrum. Sennheiser is not asking, though, that the FCC stop it or start doing some sort of um, regulation or um, doing anything, except they want the people who purchase this spectrum to pay the folks who have 600 megahertz wireless, which I'd be all for because I have a whole swath of it. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Chris, we'll start with you on this one. If this happens, how much would should, should each of us get that have 600 megahertz uh, products? Oh, well, that's a good question, and I don't really know if I can put a raw number amount on it. Um, Say $1,000, because I have a lot of them. Enough to replace the unit that they just bricked. Yeah, or made illegal for that. You know? Well, yeah. You know, I, I think it's I think it's very important and for, for Sennheiser to be doing this. Um because of all of the issues that it's going to create throughout the production world that, you know, the FCC either is not aware of or doesn't care about. Um, it, it's nice to it's, see them take that stand and, and, to, and to stand up for their customers and to stand up for the people that are using their product because, quite frankly, you know, it's probably not going to matter a whole lot to them either way um, because people are going to have to buy it more of their product in order to comply with, you know, the FCC regulations. You know, there might be, you know, a little bit more that people have to spend if, if, if there's some money back from from the, the ultimate purchasers of this spectrum, you know, so that might be, you know, a slight benefit. But, I mean, I think that it's, uh, I think that it's good for them and, 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 and good for their customers that they're doing this. Well, and, and they and Sennheiser and AKG and and a lot of the wireless companies did trade-ins uh, when when those thing this came around the last time, um, where you gave them their your old bricked, <laughs> as, as you guys said, uh, wireless system, and they gave you credit. You know, granted, it's not it's not going to be full value. You're not going to be able to trade one for one, uh, but they at least gave them some sort of credit. Uh, Brock, with you guys, I mean, I know this doesn't affect you directly, but if this did happen, oh my gosh, it does too. We've got, it does it okay. Well, we we're a production company as well. Okay, um, we got way more channels of wireless in this building than you do on your campus. I can guarantee that, and it's a lot more than thousand dollar wireless because it has to be used on stages. So there's a couple of uh, of things that that uh, stuck out uh, for me on this. One was why is it Sennheiser? A German company and not sure an American company um, that is going to the FCC and saying hey this is going to dramatically impact our ability to earn a living um, unless of course sure is complicit <laughs> with this and uh, simply wants to sell another bunch of wireless having moved everybody from 700 to 600 so that was that's one point second point though is why is it that our wireless microphone companies are not able uh, to provide a chipset that changes the frequency of the hardware? Amen, brother. Once upon a time, when we bought wireless, we bought crystals. 
and those crystals were a specific frequency set. And now in this day, day and age of miniaturization um, and uh, solid state stuff and chipsets, why can't I open the top of my uh, you know, Sennheiser or AKG or Surebox and simply replace the chipset with another? The power supply is the same, yep. the metering is the same, everything else is, is solid. Um, or are they going to make us go through this uh, all over again, um, get uh, get our customers uh, pretty upset, um, uh, or as a production company spend a ton more money? Do you think that antenna design, physical hardware of the antenna is a factor as well? Um, I think that it is in a large distributed system or a production system. Well, I just mean the antenna design of the receivers, you know, to, you know, there is a lot of, you know, RF math that goes into designing antennas that, you know, pick up, you know, just specific, you know, ranges of frequency. You know, the chipset might help with as far as the transmitting side of it, but you still need a receiver to, to, to receive that signal. You know, if you optimize your antenna for a certain signal, you know, band, you know, it's not as just simple as tossing in a new chipset. So what does a half-wave antenna uh, cost? Oh, I mean $20 a set? $25 yeah. a set? So that's not a big deal. Chipset's not a big deal. What else physically changes when you go from 600 megahertz to 500 megahertz band? If only we well, knew somebody. I mean, you, you brought up the, the whole miniaturization thing in the age of miniaturization. <laughs> Part of, you know, miniaturization is the fact that more and more of these components are being integrated together in a non-serviceable fashion. So it's all one yeah. board. It's all one board, all one chip, possibly. So what we'd be saving then is all the metalwork, uh, the LCD readouts, the power supply, uh, the connection blocks, and we're, and we're replacing a board. So there's a lot of six, seven, eight hundred dollar wireless out there that's used in everyday applications, um, and I've got to think that the the that that board can't cost more than a hundred bucks. I, I would be self I'd be perfectly happy to strip out all my stuff, swap a board, put it all back in. Yeah. Because it's you know it's getting a little ridiculous having to continually upgrade, being fo being forced to upgrade, because they keep pulling bandwidth or frequency range from well, you know guys that use this all the time. And then you have the other markets where people like us aren't thinking about it. Like say a supernatural convention that's <laughs> not gonna upgrade their their wireless, and all of a sudden they're gonna get dropouts all over the place because they've now gone to a lower you know because now they're interfering with the new sold spectrum. So I think it impacts the you know beyond that it's the people who aren't gonna stay up that it impacts just as much. I think the the problem is, is, as Brock said, yes, we should be able to keep a lot of the guts. I also know as a manufacturer, there are all sorts of problems because now we have to put it through new regulatory testing to make sure it meets all the all the rules. And you know, there are there are rules that I didn't even think of. Like for instance, some countries test to make sure that your electronics work at certain altitudes. I'd never thought of that before. Hmm. But so. It's one of those things where, I, you know, it's an expensive thing for manufacturers when they start changing this because we have to figure out how do you support, what do you do with legacy product, do you have to do a trade-in, do you do an upgrade path, all those things we talked about. So I really like the idea of just replace a module, you know, but it's the exact same problem we have with these little devices, and I'm not picking on Apple, BlackBerry has the same problem, you know, take Nexus has the same problem of 
if this frequency changes, you can't you can't strip out the 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 transceiver in it easily. You have to get a whole new phone. I think unfortunately that that mentality is is what's on is what's leading currently at the FCC is ah oh, we're just going to sell them a new phone every two years anyway. So what's the big deal? Bottom line is thank goodness Sennheiser is standing up for our industry and is putting this uh, in front of the FCC. Agreed. Um, because yeah. we we understood the last change the 700 to 600 change was all about digital tv yep. and this was you know this was part of a wholesale change in the way that that uh in the uh, communications uh, uh structure um and tv affects every american whereas wireless mics only affect a few of us um, the move from 600 to 500 appears to be spectrum sale for cash grab uh, as opposed to a requirement for a technological, a wholesale technological change. And um, uh, hopefully people in our industry, uh, like Infocom and NSCA, um, will enlist a bunch of us to write congresspeople and uh, jump on the bandwagon to say, hey, this, this has a huge impact. I love the way that their argument was, uh, was laid out. Um, it's uh, uh, there are a lot of jobs at stake. There's a lot of money in an industry that doesn't have a lot of surplus money, and uh, and it's a positive thing. But it blows me away that it's a German company and not the largest wireless microphone manufacturer in the world, based right in the USA, that is bringing this forward. Yeah, good point. Good point. Although in in Shure's defense, they have um, they have tried to lobby to actually stop the sale altogether. So um, now that was uh, about six months ago, they had, we had that story that they were trying to stop the sale altogether. So it's uh, not like they haven't done something. Um, all right, guys, that one's going to wrap us up uh, for, the, for this week. Uh, with us has been Bradford Ben. Bradford is the vertical market manager, themed attractions with Harmon International. That means he gets to go ride roller coasters for a living. Yay, no, and really. go to Brazil, which doesn't have theme parks. <clears throat> and go to Brazil. They don't have theme parks? According to them, they don't. No, They've got the Amazon River. Why do they need well, theme parks? That's true. Yeah, I was that's down true. there working on train systems. Uh, that's a, that's a thrilling ride. Yeah, yeah and, and they have football yeah, stadiums. That was, yeah, that was sad. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, one of the World Cup stadiums, the uh, roof fell in. Uh, this past seven days or so, Ooh. it was bad. Yeah. However, on the plus side, they killed less people during that construction accident than have died so far on Black Friday. Uh, Very Black nice. Friday has had four deaths already. This this black like today's Black Friday. Yeah. Wow. Blackfridaydeathcount.com. Not today though. Not well, no, yes, no, today. today. That's what he's saying. Today's. Today. This, I just looked at it. You must be looking at the Canadian version. All right. Speaking of well, he's right. Canada, I'm ahead. Brock yeah, McGinnis no. from Westbury. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure, Tim. Appreciate it. How can people get a hold of you? Find you and your. Uh... Oh, I'm uh, I'm at uh, at Brock McGinnis on Twitter, and uh, that usually gets my attention. Okay. Um, Very good. All right, Bradford. I forgot to ask. Where can people find you besides at Bradford Ben and Harmon? Uh, BradfordBen.com at BradfordBen. Uh, put BradfordBen into a search window, and odds are you'll find me. All right. Are you guys still doing the, the your podcast? The Matt and the Brad. Well, Matt, and Matt never shows up. That's... I've been talking, and no one else is listening. It's really kind of boring. It's right. kind of like you know, I blame Matt. I do too. It's it's my fault. I'm, I'm yeah. We had sushi, and 
you know, we were supposed to record then. We didn't, so we've just been delayed. And he's been all over the world, haven't we seen? Come on. This yeah. from the man in Boca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this from the man in Boca. Speaking of, uh, uh, Matt Scott, uh, he is uh, the uh, president <laughs> and everything at Omega Audio Video in London, Ontario, but he's in Florida for some reason for Thanksgiving. Thank you, hot. sir. <laughs> Thank you. Where Pleasure can people be. find you? You can find me at Matt D. Scott at Omega Audio Video, pretty much the same thing. Type my name or my company into a search engine. You should find me pretty simply. Now, Tim, remember that uh, Canadian Thanksgiving already happened. So he's just my second. He's, yeah, his, double, his wife. Double dipping. Yeah, well, his, wife, his wife is American. Number. So it's, you know, it's one of the benefits of being, you know, having dual citizenship for the family. Um, what I think we need to do is we need to have a big AV tweeps get together and have Canadian Thanksgiving in Canada, and then we can all have a big U.S. Thanksgiving as well. That would be Only awesome. Only Brock Cooks. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was actually going to volunteer him. <laughs> we'll do it at Brock's house. He can cook. Yes. No and problem. We'll invite, the, we'll invite the Twitterverse. There we go. I like to cook. You just have to bring your own beer because we're not a big beer house. <laughs> but they have good wine. Oh, yes. I can bring a couple cases of Pellegrino. No problem. <laughs> That, we have that's Pellegrino. As, that's as strong as Matt gets. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, Chris Tatton, who got all dressed up for us. Uh, by the way, congratulations on, on, on uh, and everything. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir, for, uh, for joining us. He is. What's the congratulations for? I just had my second child. Uh, oh, yeah. that's awesome. I guess it would be two weeks ago now. Yeah. After the second Have one, it all gets fuzzy. Yet? I have, actually. Um, the, the second child, we were we were a little worried because we, we hear that the second child never sleeps, but our, our daughter's been sleeping very well. Very good. Uh, he's Senior Systems Programmer with HB Communications. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, find you? Um, I can be found um, either on Google+, or I can be found at LinkedIn, really? or um, I can be found on, on a Twitter handle that I never use. Oh, there you go. <laughs> at Chris underscore Tatton. Uh, Chris underscore Tatton. All right. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's TD Tim David Albright. Uh, but more importantly for me and for all the fine folks that uh, that do stuff at Aviation, go by the website if you would please. Aviation.tv. Aviation.tv. You'll find this program as well as a host of others. Uh, the others we do on a monthly basis. This one we do on a weekly. Uh, but we've got stuff like uh, social marketing. Uh, and media um, podcast, a, a control show called State of Control with Steve Greenblatt, education show, and a host of others. We actually we just did a, a new DIY show. Um, so check it out if you would please, aviation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.